Welcome to the Forged by Grace podcast, where we discuss everything from theology to giving a biblical perspective on things of the unknown. As believers ourselves, we hope to interact with believers and non-believers alike, answering questions and giving insight into things not typically addressed in a Sunday morning service. Let's go. All right, guys, this is a Forged by Grace podcast. We're with Forged by Grace Church in Springfield, Missouri, and this is our first episode, so thanks for listening. We just look forward to uh, interacting with you and um, just hopefully getting more listeners and just answering questions that you might have or having discussions that you want to be part of and that kind of thing. So the goal is to be ministry, a ministry and have fun at the same time, have random discussions about random things. And I actually did a, uh, I put out a survey a couple months ago on some Christian forums and just to kind of get an idea of what people are interested in. And the two top things that were listed by multiple people were end times and then UFOs uh, and how that kind of falls into play with just whatever. So, you know, the UFOs, those will both be uh, have their own episodes for, you know, whatever. But, you know, the end times thing is kind of what got me because it kind of I think a lot of people are in that mindset right now just because the world itself is just seems upside down the last even just three years has been like a complete flip. And, uh, I know with me, like it, you know, just having hope sometimes seems dif- is difficult, you know, because there's, it's hard to not have some type of fear. Well, it is. Everything is, is changing at such a dramatic rate anymore. Mm-hmm. We live in a culture that is just shifting all around us. And, and that's happening not just here, uh, as in the United States, that's happening worldwide. Yeah. Even in, um, other religions, um, there seems to be a sense that whatever their particular perspective of the end times is, mm-hmm. they they sense that that's what's happening. Yeah. That's what's about to happen, or whatever. There seems seems to be a sense that something has got to happen. Yeah. Soon, um, we're not the first generation to feel that way, though. Right. Right. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, the the level of isolation people feel right now mm-hmm. is, you know. Uh, and I, to address your point, without without my faith, without reliance on God, I I would feel hopeless. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't care which side of the aisle you sit on politically. You watch the news, and there is nothing that is like, uh, yeah, that's that that I'm looking forward to that. Right. Yeah. It's all fear based. I mean, I mean, there's just nothing to look forward to. Yeah. So you know, that's where. You know our faith. You know the, the the hope that we have in Jesus is is manifested, and you know it helps us through that time. But yeah. even with that said, we still need to we need to get back to gathering together and doing things as families and friends and neighborhoods and just yeah. You know a lot of things that that are corollary to the whole end times and all that uh, those kind of issues. Um, would be broadcast or episode material in itself. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm uh, leery of, you know, if I'm honest, a little bit fearful of or worried about, and yet anxious to see what, what this, <coughs> what really comes of it is all the uh, warning right now about food shortages mm-hmm. that are coming. And supposedly they've, you know, say in the fall, October ish, whatever, um, 
And to me, it seems like if you can tell me um, even the season or especially the the month that things are going to start being in, in short supply, um, you have to be planning that yeah. or something. I don't know. There's just something weird it about it. It feels the fact. that way yeah, anyways. Yeah. Yes. It's like, okay, there could be some shortages because yeah. we've planned it uh, this way. Um, and, and there are some things that you just raise an eyebrow about. I watched a... Uh, or somebody was telling me about a, a, um, a farmer on YouTube that was saying uh, railroads are not going to transport cattle feed yeah. anymore. Why? I, I don't understand, you know, what, what's the, so that, that, and again, it was one of these um, supposedly uh, people that are suppliers are saying, you know, it takes me twice as much to feed my cattle. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get twice as much at auction, which you know translates to, much much higher prices obviously well and they you know like with jesse saying you know the isolation like if you have everybody isolated which we're not as isolated as we were obviously it's a lot more opened up and stuff but that was a good time for the fear to be pushed Mm -hmm. you know and it worked so even when we're coming out of isolation we still had all of that flooded in our head well and going back to you talking about them saying there's going to be food shortages and stuff, you know, we see this, we've seen this in 2020 with these self-fulfilling prophecies, basically, because there wasn't a lack of supply of toilet paper, paper towels, but because everybody was afraid because they said there was going to be shortages, everybody went out and bought every, every one they could, you know, people had 300 rolls of toilet paper at their house that they weren't going to use for the next five years. Yeah. You know, and that, fulfilled that well now we have a shortage because mm-hmm. you know people that would normally buy a four pack were buying yeah a hundred rolls well toilet paper is a non-elastic demand there jesse <laughs> you're gonna have find a way to get toilet paper well, this is true but i'm but, but that, i know what but you're they're saying, saying yeah. you know yeah you know you talk about them saying there's going to be food shortages in october so how many people are running out that have a deep freeze and stocking their deep freeze right now yeah. Causing the price of beef yeah. and yeah. pork and everything to yeah. rise because all of a sudden demand is higher when they're, it, it's artificially so in mm-hmm. so many ways because I'm not going to starve to death if I don't go buy another pack of steaks this week. Right. Oh, wait, I can't afford steak anymore. But <laughs> <Yeah>. hamburger. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, I, I know of people who definitely weren't prepper minded beforehand, but now they're like, oh, we got to, we got to start getting some yeah. rice and some beans and, you know, I mean, I'll, I have a 50-pound bag of rice it's the, tucked it's, away. Yeah, and it's funny the thing. I, I have eight weeks of food supply stored up. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, you know, I have ammo stored up. I have food stored up. I have, uh, I'm working on containers for water now. Just, just, yeah, to be prepared. Well, to I, take care of my yeah. family and people that I need to take care of. And I've got, oh, I'll probably have a, have a dozen cans of sardines. Well, that'll get you <laughs> that, by. That's my prep. I, that's my, my food well, it's cheap. Sardines are, you can <laughs> it, get those cans cheap, for cheap. They're highly nutritious. They're good for you. And I think they're great. And nobody else likes them. So I'm not, I'm, nobody you're, you're ever asked not, to share my sardines. Probably not going to have to fight over the sardines. <laughs> not until not until it gets real bad. Real bad, yeah. So, no, I, it, it is. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy um, where the rhetoric and the speech actually drives um, – keeps the problem going just like covid i mean it, it's a word that has more fear 
than the actual effect of the disease. I mean, you can, yeah. you can be wiped out for a week with the flu, and I mean, just feeling on the edge of death. And you tell somebody, you know, I had the flu, and it was really hard. And they're like, oh, I'm, you know, sorry to hear that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you get COVID, you have, you know, a sniffle. Yeah. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you have COVID, you know. And you because, it's, yeah, it's the word COVID. I'm like, well, I've had flus. I've had both. I mean, I've had COVID. And, and it was, I had it for a good week, and it hit me in the respiratory system. And it was, it was difficult, yeah. but it wasn't any worse mm. than some flus I've had. Yeah. And, you know, never got uh, the shot or the vaccine or whatever, um, and I've never had it again. Um, but that's that's a whole episode, I suppose. But maybe that issue's just been beat to death at this point. I don't know. All I know is well, vaccine, by definition, prevents the disease. And so if it doesn't prevent you from getting it, it's not a vaccine. Right. Well, so and it's call it what you want. But virus, so there is no vaccine, vaccine for yeah, a virus. Yeah. So Well, it, it's... It's all about the fear. I mean, yeah, yeah, COVID when it first hit, and still it can be severe. I'm not gonna, you know, make light of COVID. Oh, absolutely. Can but be you know, it was so much stronger in the beginning. There was a lot more people who were seriously affected by it. That even now, when the symptoms appear to be mostly just a scratchy throat and a headache, you know, there's people still just absolutely terrified, and it's it's because the fear was just embedded to them in the beginning. I mean. The whole world was shutting down. It was intense. I mean, it's nothing like I remember the exact moment I I was standing in our kitchen. Courtney was doing dishes or something. And I remember the exact moment. It was minutes after they announced that the country was shutting down. I just I will always remember that feeling. And just because it was like it was like, okay, the world just flipped. Like things are not going to be the same from here on out. And they haven't been. And they haven't been at all. The two weeks to flatten the curve were two and a half years in. And the country has not recovered. The world right. has not recovered. No. The, the economic status of the world has not recovered, um, with the exception of China. China's economy is booming. Yeah, they, they actually they much. actually are on pace. Their level of growth is they could pass the United States by next year in the number one economy in the in, in the world. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it's sad. It's scary, but they have an unlimited. Well, virtually unlimited workforce for pennies a day because they enslave people. Yeah. Um, but I, as long as I can get a new iPhone, I, I guess that's okay with me. I, <laughs> I, say, I say that jokingly, of course. I'm right. Facetious, but but it is. What, what are you going to do? Not have a phone? Yeah. Because is that going to help the the Chinese person who's living in a, a work camp or whatever? Yeah. At the, you know, under the regime of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, you're not going to destroy evil by not buying a, an iPhone or, or whatever products they're making. But on some level, we all share some responsibility for driving China's economy, and then we complain about it, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I can't say how many times I've said, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy American products only, but... I did that too. I was going, you know, uh, I was going to bite the bullet. I, I, I was looking for a valve cover for my Tahoe. Right. <laughs> and I told Tiffany, I said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I can buy this valve cover, and it comes from the tractor supply factory in some place in China. I can't pronounce. And so I said, No, I'm not going to buy that for thirty dollars. I'm going to go to O'Reilly's. I'm going to spend hundred and sixty dollars on a Dorman, mm-hmm. which is a an American company. So I got the researching Dorman 
And if you get deep enough into their web and all that, they say we outsource many of our parts where we're an American company, but we outsource it. And you finally find out um, that the Dorman brand uh, valve cover is made at the tractor factory in China. <laughs> and it's the same one. So, right. yeah, I guess in some way you're supporting an American company because obviously you're paying their markup. Yeah. But what you're getting is the same product. Uh, is the same product, and you're still feeding into the Chinese economy. Mm-hmm. So I don't. When we stopped making stuff yeah. ourselves as in, in our in the country, um, that's when you know we we started to see this sort of catch twenty two. Yeah, where you you can't not um, it, it, feed it, them. Yeah, it's, and it's really business. hard sometimes. You know, there's some products that you can't find that's no. made in America. No, right. even uh, you know, you talked about a cell phone. I don't care what brand you you, right. you go with. Motorola was a was a United States company. I used to work for Motorola. Yeah, but guess what? Almost all the parts inside the Motorola phone come from Japan or China. Yeah, it's definitely crazy times. That's for sure. And I think. You know, if if I was a single man, didn't have kids, I'm not saying I wouldn't have any fear or whatever, but that definitely makes a difference. You know, I, oh, I have the mentality of got to protect my wife and my kids, whatever, and it changes it changes the way you look at everything. It does, and, it, you know, that's true for kids, grandkids or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, you know, at least um, it should. It, it should. should, yes. Yeah. But that's what Paul was talking about, I think, when he talks about, you know, I, I would that, that all men would be like me single mm-hmm. because i am free to serve the lord yes he is my first and only obligation and thought but when you're married you live uh, you know to please your wife or whatever and he, i don't think he means that in a bad way it's just a, a recognition that when you're responsible for someone else a, a wife and children or grandchildren then it, it does change the way you look at things yeah it makes you more risk averse mm-hmm. um, because you're not just risking you you're risking uh, their lives and livelihood or whatever as well and so it changes everything um not that i would trade or change you know my family enough. right and change it now no i was not not for nothing um, but, but it, it is definitely an additional concern and thought i mean i i look at the grandkids and think what what is the world going to be like when they're even adulthood, yeah. much less when they're my age. Yeah, you know what? What's the world going to look like? Will it even be here? If uh, you know, that's per se. Hopefully, uh, New Earth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully, but you know, if Putin keeps going, and may, may none of us be here. <laughs> There's you know, no so telling. It, it is wild. Crazy, so. One thing, not to get off topic here, we'll swing back, and this is just a first episode mistake. I did not introduce any of us. So I am. I don't think I did. did no, I? you no, didn't. No, I did not. So I am Brett. Uh, I kind of do some of the media stuff with the church, and uh, and then to my right is Pastor William, which is you're gonna have to talk because they yeah, can't see that, you. That would be me. That's Pastor William, and then you got Jesse, who is a deacon of the church, and he usually runs sound and stuff at the church. And I, I am. I am a deacon. Sunday school. Yeah. yeah. So now that that's done, back to. Uh, craziness of the world i think the goal is though of, of what we're trying to do here is everybody is experiencing the craziness in some way some worse than others financially or whatever and uh we want to we need to stay as christ-centered as possible 
throughout all of this. So what can we do to do that? It's it's hard. You can't just ignore what's going on in the world. But it also does seem easier if you just shut the TV off and don't know every detail of what's going on in the world, or at least the fear they're trying to shove down your throat. You know, it's a little less stressful and you can, you know. Well, I think it is. That That's part of the solution is um, we need to put our minds on things above and we put our minds on things that are good. Mm-hmm. And, and there are still good things in the world. There's still blessings every day. And there are things that are, uh, Paul says, you know, whatever is good, what is a good repute, whatever is holy and right, think on these things. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, it's where you choose to put your mind to some degree, and I think that's part of the Christian perspective, which gives us hope and a certain joy, even in the midst of all this. We, we recognize, or we've said for years we recognize, mm-hmm. that this is not our home. Yeah. But this has been clarifying for, I think, many believers, including myself, is do I really, is that what I really believe, and is that what I'm really living for? Right. You know, um, eternity. And do I consider myself first a citizen of the kingdom, mm-hmm. um, not just a citizen of the United States? Um, and it's been clarifying because when things start to feel threatened with significant and you know all-encompassing changes like we're seeing, mm-hmm. or at least we sense are coming, yeah. um, if it unnerves us unduly, then we have to ask ourselves, well, what am I living for? Right. Where is my faith? Is it in the security of the most powerful army of the world, or is it in the Lord? And so it's been clarifying for me. I have to remind myself that uh, nothing's happening that has taken God by surprise. Yeah. You know, with that said, it is like, you know, you do spend time, um, or at least I have, spent time looking in the Word. Um, you know, though, you know, America's not in the Bible. It's shocking for our audience, you know, America's not listed in the Bible. Right. Uh, but, you know, but you look at um, the prophecies of other nations and, and, and their downfall, and you're going, how does that apply? And how does, you know, what am I, what am I expecting here? Um, I think when you remember um, everything God is capable of and you spend time in the Word and you spend time, you know, I hate to be cliche in your prayer closet, spending time with God and saying, Hey, what am I supposed to be doing? And then you align yourself with like-minded people. Like we do, we get together, you know, and I feel bad because I've actually for the last like three weeks, I I've barely talked with anybody outside of church just because of the whole, a lot of things going on, but it's like, man, I really need to, get together and socialize with some of the people that, that share my beliefs and, you know, spend time with people that, uh, lift me up and, and, and bring positivity into my life. I think that's part of how we contradict the world today is we align ourselves with people that like, think like us, we pray, we spend time in the word. We, you know, we just have to live our lives without, like you said, watching the TV 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. We have to unplug from some of this. Can we unplug from all of it? No, we need to know things that are going on in the world. We need to know what is going on. And, you know, we're recording this today, and it seems, you know, and you can edit this out later. I know, you know, but, you know, we're, we're doing this and we're starting this on the day that, that uh, our president, Joe Biden, 
took a look at the Supreme Court announcement and said, you know what, I don't agree with you, so now I'm going to use executive order and I'm going to sign into law reproductive rights. Really? No, that's not going to That's not gonna stand. It, it probably won't. They'll strike it's, that it's, down they're going to strike it down, things. but, you know, until it gets to the point where it's challenging yeah. stuff, you know, it's, you know, he announces this today and puts it out there yeah. that, you know, we want to we want abortion so bad that we're not going to listen to the law of the land and we're going to throw out we're we're just going to try to rewrite yeah. how how law gets passed in the United States. Well, yeah, the Biden administration and and not Joe Biden because I don't think Joe Biden has the cognitive ability to form any opinion um of any political depth beyond you know, where are my notes or whatever. Um but the his controllers, people that are you know really running the government have come to the point they think an executive order is is law for like everybody yeah and, and the, the funny thing is uh, american people think the executive order is law um and somebody asked me a couple of years ago now about you know well what if uh biden says you know he just signs the executive order that we have to wear masks mm-hmm. but joe biden has no authority over me i do not work for the federal government you know, he, he is the executor, he is the top executive officer of the executive branch, which means he can control federal agencies. But right. he cannot just make a law that all Americans have to abide by. Right. If you you know, if I'm not on federal property and I don't work for a federal organization or agency, I don't have to, to do anything Joe Biden says. And neither does anyone else. Uh, but the ever expanding executive order, which you know, that's a whole different issue. The, the origins of which go back really to Lincoln. Um, but presidents do not have the authority to just say something and make it binding on American citizens. Mm-hmm. They can say something and make it uh, sort of the directives of agencies and agency policy. But uh, and even that is a scary, uh, a scary thing. We're just so agency driven. Yeah. You know, and the, the way our government's got so. Um, convoluted with agencies and sub-agencies and so you have non-elected people making rules for their agencies that have the effect of law right you know there's no no law in the book the legislation isn't there Uh, the legislation is just there to create the agency and give them authority to make rules but then those rules have the effect of law in other words you can go to prison or Mm -hmm. be fined for violating the rules the IRS prime example um so, but there are other agencies that do that. The, you know, environmental protection agencies, and, mm-hmm. and and the list goes on and on, of rules that if you violate, can have catastrophic consequences. Yeah. But they're not law, and they're made by non-elected people. So it, we, we've become we've gone far afield from where we were intended to be. Um, but when people don't know their constitution, m- most Americans are familiar familiar with, I don't think they could recite it, but they are familiar with the preamble. Most Americans know the first three words of the constitution. We the people. We the people. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that literally that's it. And um, it's a great summation. It really is, if you think about it. Uh, but if you've never sat down and read the constitution – uh, and you don't know it, at least in some basic framework of the Constitution, then you won't long keep it. Yeah. Because uh, how, how do you know whether it's being violated or not? And then, you know, it's, 
same thing goes with just our, our whole history and form of, uh, of government. People are so unaware of it, and they don't see any need to become aware of it. And that, that to me, is terrifying. You know? Yeah. Well, we run into that too. You know, I've seen surveys where they, you know, ask people that people that go to church, Christians that go to church, and they ask them questions about the Bible, and people don't know what's in the Bible. Yeah. They don't know what's not in the Bible. You know, they believe things like the 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 Bible says that God only helps those that help themselves. Oh yeah, give me the passage in first for that. Mm. No, the Bible is replete with stories of people who've messed themselves up messed their lives up uh, so badly they can't fix it and god helps that's that's the point of redemption um so i you know you look at david even uh, the man after god's own heart the things that he went through and did all at his own making by the way and yet god constantly just redeems him and restores him everything from um you know the affair with uh, bathsheba and then having her husband killed her uh, effectively and yet God restores him, and then later he uh, he ends up, uh, his eldest son, Absalom, mm-hmm. revolts against him, and Absalom ends up getting uh, killed. Right. And and David just laments, and there's just such this this passage where he just laments, uh, you know, when he cries out, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. And it's just dripping with emotion and, and pain. Uh, but he he brought it on himself. Yeah, because he never raised the Bible says he never corrected the child, yeah. never raised a hand to the child. And, well, and, that's just know, that's what we so as humans do. We do. We bring and bring a lot of stuff on ourselves. Ourselves, <laughs> and and when we do, we do what humans do. We cry out to the Lord. Yeah. After a while, you'd think God would be kind of like, well, not again. Not again. Yeah, how many times yeah. you gonna do this and cry out to me? And yeah. Uh, but no, that's that's the manifold grace of God that He mm-hmm. just He redeems us and brings us back and. I went through some times in my own life where it, it was very much that kind of story, and I got way away from God and did things and uh, whatever that I still look back on. Can't believe that I would have. I couldn't believe that I would ever do mm-hmm. and look back on it. Can't believe that I actually did. Yeah. But I was way far away. But thankfully, I went to a church where uh, the men of that church knew words like restore and redemption mm-hmm. and. Uh, bringing a brother back into the fold through love and forgiveness and you know that was the operating words of of that church not condemnation and you know so forth so yeah we bring it on ourselves but you're right back to your point jesse that people don't know scripture yeah i mean we just we we as christians we need to spend time in the word we need to read the bible dare i say daily you know and you know and as i said here people are gonna be like oh man that guy I don't have it together either. I don't always read my Bible daily. In fact, I would just open up my Bible app to, to look at something for a minute and realize I didn't read my Bible at all, all day yesterday. Yeah. And I had time, but I... it It's a struggle for me, you know, being in the Word. And it's not that I don't want to read the Bible. I just, I hate reading with a passion. So even when I do, just reading in general. So when I do read, I have to, I, I follow, I listen to it and then I follow along because my brain processes it better that way. Yeah. And even then it's still hard to motivate myself to okay, I need to take time before I do anything else to just get in the word, you know. And I'm kind of being forced to at this one because I'm taking some ministry classes and Old Testament survey right now, so I'm having to read a lot more than I would normally read just sitting, you know, like 
just chapters and chapters at a time. And so I'm being forced to, but I'm trying to go into that prayerfully. So it's, you know, it, it's not just me like doing an assignment type thing, you know, but yeah, it reading has always been a struggle for me and I'm sure it's a struggle for tons of people. Honestly, And there are several people. I I think it's, I don't want to make up the stats, but it's a, it's a significant portion just under a third. Yeah. Basically that, that learn better by audio. So Mm -hmm. listening to it is better than reading it for, for several people, you know, I do both. I listen to I listen to audiobooks and I listen to the Bible read to me sometimes and I sit down and read it sometimes. Now I'm I'm more of a visual person. Mm-hmm. Most of what I read I remember. Uh, not every little detail. Yeah. And one thing that I gotta get better, me and me and the pastor have talked about this and it's sometimes it's hard, you know, because we know each other all pretty well. Right. So, you know, what we're doing this, you know, that these people don't have our background and know things, you know. I, I'm not good with the address, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you kind of what's in the Bible, but if you say, you know, well, where do I find that? Um <laughs> give me a minute. I'm that's what I call Steven. I'm not good at address. <laughs> I, I know it's in there somewhere, but as I've often said, you're in good company as I am because the writer of Hebrews does that a lot. You know, it says somewhere in scripture. Um and I think that's the point. Um I, I don't know the address, but I know the heart. I know it's there and I know the intent and it, it affects my life. And yeah. that's the point of scripture, not I mean, we all know the to chapters and verse divisions were added later to help us find those yeah. references. So it's important to re- remember them. And I, I do think I'd be better off if I knew um, chapter and verse citations more quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, if I had to pick, I'd rather know that I read that and remember that I read that and that, you know, that it, that affected me yeah. and my yeah. spiritual life and my daily walk. Uh, I'd rather that than than remember um, the address. Yeah, because there's uh, a whole but, lot of people that can squ- quote scripture, yeah. who have no idea what it really says, yeah, or, or or no belief in what it says, and you know, and the Bible tells us that that's that's going to be absolutely true because you know, well, I, you know, I pray to Jesus or I pray, you know, I do this, and well, the the demons know Jesus's name and, and they shake at it, yeah. but they don't believe, mm-hmm. they don't follow. They don't apply. So, yeah, I'm absolutely with you. I'd rather take that word that I've read and, you know, apply it to my life and have it, you know, help me with my decisions and stuff than to know the chapter and verse. But it would be better for what I'm sharing to know some more. Right, yeah. I I think, and for me, it's, it's, um, it's, it's sort of an occupational hazard of both of careers I've pursued. It's just reading and book intensive. Um, both in the ministry and then previously as an attorney, it's it's um, a lot of reading, mm-hmm. and and fortunately I enjoy it, um, but I don't always enjoy technical reading as much as I, I do, you know, just a, a good writer or whatever. And, and uh, I think people ought to to read in some way, whether that's listening to an audio book, which for our purposes I'll call reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually read a good article about whether or not that's actually reading. Does that count? If, I've always wondered yeah, myself, if, if honestly. If you listen to the book on Audible, can you say I've read that book? Right. Because uh, people do. Well, I, I guess in a sense you've had it, you've got the information. Yeah. So, and if you learn it better audibly, then it you, you may 
well remember it better than somebody who has actually physically read the book. So anyway, um, but I think it's important that we understand it as believers. The Bible's not the only thing that we should be reading or could be reading. I, th- I think we ought to be um, wiser and more literary than most believers are anymore. We seem to feel like we need to live in a bubble and we can't read uh, Plato's Republic or we can't read um, some of the founding philosophers or whatever. So we, we get this disconnect with the rest of the world because they have a certain level of, of literacy in, in the sense of the classics that we don't have. And I think that's that's a shame in the way because yeah. we ought to be wise people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Great writers, good writers, um, have a way of, of sort of surmising or summarizing um, common and, and eternal ideas and experiences in life. I was, I was reading um, Thomas Hardy, who's um, a classic author. And anyway, this is, this is one sentence. I, I read this last night, and then I just – and this is the way I read. I read a sentence or two, and then if it's really good, I just have to put it down. Yeah. And, and think about it. Um, and then I think, why can't I write a sentence like that? Because I harbor some secret fantasy that, you know, I want to be a writer. But anyway, this is what he says. And I think it's just such a great summation of the way things happen sometimes. He's talking about the character in his book. He says his character, to some extent, deteriorated, as emotional constitutions will, under the long sense of disappointment, having missed their imagined destiny. And I think that is a universal sort of truth, yeah. you know, that we get it in our minds. You know, I have this imagined destiny, and when I miss it, then my character turns sour. Because, mm-hmm. And I, I just love the way he uses the word imagined destiny. Yeah. Well, you know, God's the God of all truth, and he can He can impart that to us in many ways. And so I kind of, um, that, that resonates with me when you can articulate something that's sort of a universal truth in a really good way. And... Uh, so I say that to say there, there are a lot of writers out there with whom I do not share the faith or with whom – who did not share the faith with me. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Wolfe, for example, is one of my favorite writers. Well, uh, he, he was not a believer in, in any sense of the word, um, but he's such an amazing writer and his prose is so beautiful. Uh, sometimes it's, it just – it moves me with emotion and mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know why it's just the way he said it is uh, just a, a, such a unique way and it, it surmises such a uh, it, I don't know universal truth so I think we ought to be open to that you know uh, in fact you were talking about Jesse we get together and encourage ourselves and we should don't get me wrong but the, the world's view of that is um, Thomas Wolfe in his notebooks wrote uh, you know um, the idea that a virgin got pregnant and the baby's father was the deity. Mm-hmm. And he said, we all know that's not true. The, the uh, For millions of years, um, the world has gone on with its natural ways, and it's never been suspended. But rather than think this through and be honest with what we really think, we get together like so many sheep and ba- and bleat at one another and repeat these claims over and over before we have, in quick succession or something like that, before we have time to be alone with, the, with our own awareness that this can't possibly be true because the thing we fear the most is being alone with our thoughts. Well, I think it's well said. Yeah. And it, and it encapsulates the world's view of the Christian faith and church people yeah and that can be the danger i think of 
if the only people we talk to are believers, then we have a hard time articulating a response to the non-believer. Mm-hmm. Well, to, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with you there. I mean, I, I do think we need to spend time yeah. together, but we do have to spend time. Absolutely. We were never absolutely. called to separate ourselves from the rest of the world. Yeah. And if we're looking at Jesus being our, our perfect example, which we absolutely think we have to, you know, because he's the only one that was perfect. Yeah. Um, he didn't spend time at the synagogues. I, he taught there occasionally. He cleaned them out with a whip at the temple. But that's not where he spent his time. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was one of the biggest, you know, biggest detractions to him for the for the religious leaders was that he spent time with tax collectors. He spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with, you name it, Jesus spent time with them. Yeah. And I, so I do think we are absolutely supposed to be out and we're supposed to be the salt to the world and the light to the world, you know, because, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, but um, we're the only Bible most people are going to read. Yeah. How we live our lives and how we interact with other people is going to be the closest that they come to reading the Bible sometimes, lots of times, most times. And unfortunately, I don't think it's a whole lot different inside a lot of churches. You know, there's a lot of people that go to church on Sunday and never touch a Bible throughout the week. Right. And you could sit up there and say, this is in the Bible, and they wouldn't have a clue whether it was or wasn't. But, but no, I do not think we're supposed to isolate ourselves off. Sometimes I think it would be easier but that's not what we're called to do. Yeah, and that you know that's one thing personally I struggle with is because you know I work for a very large Christian organization, so all of my fellow employees are believers, and so you know, and that's like my second home because it's either I'm there or here. So unless I'm out shopping or something, like I'm not, I'm not around non-believers. You know, like it's, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, you know, being a security officer, I. I do deal with people on the streets at work, but, you know, a lot of times that's just, you know, I'm doing my job as a security officer. I do have opportunities to minister, but a lot of times they're so mentally unstable or mm-hmm. just, you know, high on meth or whatever. It's hard to even have a, a conversation. So, yeah, I struggle with that. Just being, you know, like, right. just, well, when you're, when you're a pastor, you, you get a lot of that feeling sometimes of every everything i do and and every one in the circle of my uh, companions yeah and friends um are believers and uh, that's that's not what the real world is like yeah if that makes sense that's certainly not the experience of most church members who you know have um, exchanges with non-believers all the time and so i try to be um intentional about engaging um, non-believers in a um, purposeful way. Yeah, um, and sometimes I fail at that miserably. But I, I do too. You know, I try to. Um, and this is one thing, especially going through ministry courses and stuff. I'm trying to put myself out there a little more. Um, I want to have more intentional interactions with people. You know, when I'm out in the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always respectful and that kind of thing. But, but uh, I think a lot of Christians they. I think if you ask most Christians if they minister to people out, you know, out outside of their normal group of people, like they would probably 
I, I would think a majority of them would probably say no. Yeah. I don't think we get out there enough and, and, and really minister to people or uh, share the gospel with people like we should. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just self-confidence even or the, the worry of being rejected or, you know, I know that's one of my concerns, you know. But uh, I've also noticed that, you know, the more I'm learning and taking even classes and that kind of thing, like it's kind of building that that confidence a little bit, you know. So I don't know. Well, it can be hard, and the world is by and large resistant um, to faith if they're not already a person of faith. And um, and there are exceptions, obviously, but um, particularly in in our political social context that, that we're in today is such a polarized right you know if somebody is is not you know in the same camp as you on certain issues then they they're beyond resistant yeah you know to the gospel they they want nothing to do yeah there's um, no uh yeah, there's not a lot of you can't disagree anymore no, with no that, you know you can't die so, yeah so as like the guy that's sitting here that spent probably the most amount of recent time in the secular world you know, as far as, you know, I've been working at car dealerships and, um, that's where I think being genuine and being the same person Monday through Saturday that we are at Sunday at church, yes. you know, that opens those doors. You know, I can't depending on the work environment, you know, but you know, lots of times you, you, you can't initiate the conversation. But if you're living your life in a way that makes people go, I just got to know what what helps you, and you know, and then you get the opportunity and you start getting to share. And I've, um, I've worked with some great people that are that are good people, but not Christians. But and I but I've seen their hearts soften towards Christians and the belief mm-hmm. through actions of everyday life and how I treat them and how they see me, you know, deal with certain issues and stuff. Now, um, I have also failed on those fronts. Just, just to be honest, you know, yeah. somebody ask a question or, or, or sees me react in a totally wrong way. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, uh, and it's absolutely happened. I've, you know, I've been, I have, uh, let's just say that the Bible says in James that the perfect man can control his tongue. Yeah. Well, uh, there is nobody that's worked with me for a long period of time that thinks I am a perfect man. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, that made me think of a, a video I saw yesterday, actually, of a, um, he was the leader of a satanic church. And, you know, so obviously very anti-Christian. And he was talking, what? talking to, uh. I don't even remember what the conversation was about. He was talking to a lady uh, who was a Christian, and and uh, for whatever reason, she ended up giving him a hug. Like she was very just – she wasn't judgmental or any of that. She gave him a hug, and he was explaining how whenever she embraced him, like like he's not – he's a he's a Christian now because of this, this interaction. Like it was, he just – he felt – the love of, of Christ just through her hmm. and that just that, like I said, I don't remember what the conversation was, but when she hugged him, it just, he broke and the Holy spirit just got a hold of him. And he's like looking at him, you would think, yeah, he's a, you know, cause he's got tattoos, like the face tattoos you can tell he, he lived in a, 
in a dark place for a while and it was he was in tears telling the story it was absolutely it was amazing hmm. um, i'll have to try to find it again but um you know there that that's interesting I, w- I would like to see that um i always wonder um sometimes i i don't know where the line is between being courteous and respectful to all people yeah and treating people with kindness and recognizing their lost estate and and whatever and at the same time doing that without saying to that person um i'm okay with or or i i agree with your choices yeah you know um one time tiffany and i were out and, and um there was no room at the in the regular dining area so we ordered at the bar and sitting next to me was a gentleman and uh, he asked what I did, and I told him. And um, he, he said, oh, I used to go to church, but I think the church has got some things wrong. And I said, oh, really? What, what do you think we have wrong? And he said, well, the whole homosexual question. And uh, I said, are you? And he said, am I what? I said, a homosexual. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, I just have one question for you. I was, I was trying to be serious, but that's just not me, you know. Yeah. So I said, he said, "What?" And I said, "Do you think I'm cute?" <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he leaned back, he looked at me, he said, "Well, you're kind of my type." Now, and I got a hoot out of it. We both laughed, you know, because clearly I'm there with my wife. He knows that I'm not, you know, right. given to that or whatever. Well, maybe he doesn't know that. Anyway, um, I was trying to just make it a, a, a lighter. Um, context for a conversation and we did go on to have a conversation about what i really thought about that that you know i I think he he should be treated with love and respect and not into hating people i don't think god hates people but there are standards and there there are things that are wrong and sinful and and, um but anyway so we we did go on to have a, a, a more meaningful conversation about that but at some point I, I begin to feel like well what i'm doing now is i'm saying um don't worry about it you know it's perfectly okay yeah well that's not my opinion at all so i it's it's hard to know where that line is. it is hard because especially i mean a lot of people view christians as just these bigoted jerks and you don't yeah. want to instantly you don't want them to think that you're just snapping to, yeah. You're just jumping. You're judging them, right? Like right off the bat. So, like with your little joke you did, like that probably kind of broke that, yeah, that barrier. Yeah. You know, so he he wasn't in the mindset of uh, this this pastor is just going to judge me this whole time. Right. You were more of a a, a friendly. You were you were a Christian. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and but and that's part of the. I think we have done things wrong in the past with especially. Uh, you know, that community, because there has been so much just harsh judgment instead of love and, and compassion to show the love of Christ to them. Right. But yeah, I under, like I'm the same way. Like where where's that line? Because you want them to know the gospel and you want them to know where we stand on it. But the second you do that, it you risk yeah. them just shutting you shutting you off. Well, I think that's the that's the danger um, when we as Christians begin to think that it's our job to judge people. Um, then we get into judgmentalism, mm-hmm. and that's never a good thing. Um, I, even the most devout uh, believers, 
that that is just never a good thing um, because I don't I don't have the right to judge people. Yeah, God judges people. He is the judge, and His Word is our guide to what's the what those judgments are. But if somebody says, "Well, you're judging me," no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm just telling you what you know the Word clearly says. And so, if if you feel judged, you'll have to take it up with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, I will treat you with kindness and respect, and yeah, you know, I can associate with you, um, but. You know, it's it, obviously going to have some limited um, context, but we we don't do any favors by carrying around signs that say God hates this group or that group. That I don't know. That that that's you know, if your sign starts out with the word words God hates, then you need a new sign. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or you just need to go be. Quiet. I would suggest just not. Being one of those sign carrying yeah, people, anyways, yeah, I right. think signs are stupid. Well, you know, if you need a sign, as Jesse was saying before, our lives ought to demonstrate right. the love of Christ. If you need a sign to get your your Christian message across, then um, yeah, try a different approach. Yeah, you yeah. Know, as we're um, saying, I think I think so much of what sharing the gospel is relation r- relationship based. Right. You know. Yes, I can share with a complete stranger, but it's much more effective if I already if if, if they already know me and I know them. It's right. now, depending on how you live your daily life, sometimes it's harder to share. Or somebody that's known your past, or like before you were Christian or something. Yeah, it's sometimes really hard for them to go. Mm, I don't buy it. Yeah, because they knew you. Yeah. Um, I used to say I thought I was a really good Christian until I actually got saved and understood the lord what he said and now it's like i'm a horrible christian yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know it's a good thing god died for all my sins not just the ones like before i got saved because mm. i you know i continue to i don't believe in cheap grace i don't think you can sin all you want to sin and you know it's covered by grace no matter what but i you know but i wake up and i don't make the decision right off the top of my head you know i'm gonna I, i'm gonna sin today but at the same time, I, I don't always make the right decision. I don't always think about what the right decision should be mm-hmm. as I'm going through my daily life. You know, you know when that customer is sitting there and screaming at me about something, I, it's not my fault, which has got way worse over the last three years, too. That's the other thing about the time we live in. I think people are intolerant to anything that inconveniences them. Yeah. And I say that with just this this idea that, you know, I've been cussed at, physically threatened, never actually had anybody put hands on me, but physically threatened, cussed at more in the last three years than I had my whole life before. Yeah. And I was in the same industry for 13 years. So it's not like, you know, well, I switched jobs and now I'm in a different, I was in the same position doing the same type of work for the last 13 years. People have just got to be shorter tempered mm-hmm. and they, you know, I want what I want and I want it right now. I don't care about anything else, but I think that goes back to, I talked about, or we all talked about earlier was being in this isolated state. Yeah. We've all got that you know, weight put on us and, it's- and, and, you know, people getting money for nothing and, you know, being told basically you're more important than everybody else. You're you, what you need is more important than anybody mm-hmm. else. We've all bought this it to some degree. 
and yeah. I'm including me in there. I feel I feel sometimes very like, uh, what's the word? Entitled. Yeah. Well, we yeah, that's the message we've been told. And um, I was looking at a guy's Facebook profile the other day because he had posted some things on Marketplace that I wanted, and I was going to go meet him. So I, I always look at their profile. Yeah, you want to make sure you're not. So anyway, um, and all of his posts were essentially the same message, just said in different different ways. But the most recent one said, um, after years of putting everyone else first and being disappointed, I deserve to do whatever I want to make me happy. Hmm. And and then he went on, uh, every post was something to the effect of sometimes the best thing to tell somebody is to, you know, blank you or whatever yeah. and then, and, all, and it just everything was so vitriol and and negative and heavy and anti everyone else except me yeah and I'm like what terrible advice i mean what just pathetically wrong um mentality towards life um but that's what that's the age we live in everything is about self and uh, you know i was talking to the high school students one day about um well, <clears throat> the draft mm-hmm. back, you know, World War Two, and then um, Vietnam and so forth. And we got talking about draft dodging as well. They, they they don't have a concept of what draft dodging is because they don't they didn't know what the draft was. Yeah. And so he explained to them what the draft was, and they were like, and the first thing they says, "What do you mean? What if you don't want to?" Like that's not that you were drafted. It's not like you have a choice. It's either that or go to jail or Canada if you're Bill Clinton, whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just it's that's what you didn't have. What do you mean you don't? And I, I watched on their faces, you know, and I can see that in their minds, they're trying to get their minds around the idea that the country could call them and send them to war even if they didn't want to go. And it boggled their. I mean, it scrambled their brains. Yeah, they they just could not get there because the idea that i would have to do something that i didn't want to do you know that was not in my plans you know what if what if i you know was already working we had school teachers Mm -hmm. doctors engineers we we had people from every walk of life you know go over there and fight for freedom that wasn't on their day's plan you know the years before but anyway they, they couldn't get their mind around it and um Man, we are in such uh, such an interesting uh, cultural context now, and I it 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 just leads to an extreme selfishness that that leaves you to wonder um, what the future really is for us. I, um, as far as people getting um, more discourteous lately, I read a great book called The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. And the whole premise of the book is how technology and we're growing up now with a generation now who have never lived without a touch screen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's talking about how the brain has actually altered the way we uh, process information. Very good book, very well researched, terrifying, um, but but he makes it interesting at the same time. Very good read. I'd highly recommend it. But um, he talks about as these different areas of the brain have developed because of the way we assimilate information now in the computer age. Other areas of the brain have begun to decrease activity. Yeah. 
and the part of the brain that is showing marked decrease in this generation uh, coming up is the part of the brain that processes things like empathy, courtesy, um, care for others, yeah, and as well as uh, logical, um, linear thinking, because that's not the way we process anymore. Mm-hmm. We process in bits of information, not not lines of thought. So anyway, he he does a great job of describing it. But what what uh, concerned him was more and more you see a complete lack of courtesy. Yeah. A complete lack of decorum. And the idea that you actually take a hat off inside or, you know, you, you had a whole set of rules that were just, oh, who's the old, not dear Abby, but, you know, the, the rules of etiquette. Mm-hmm. They actually just had rules. You know, your, your fork is on one side of the plate, the spoon's on another. Why? Well, that because that's etiquette. That idea. It has no resonance now yeah. because of the way um, we just don't think that way anymore. And and we as a society have lost something yeah. in that. Yeah. So when you take that and then you mix it with the fact that everybody is just being told you are what's important, your opinion, how you feel, yeah. you, 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 and you mix them, you got one scary environment you of do. people. <laughs> yeah. then, then you have well, an environment where it's like, well, you know, I want to go shoot a bunch of people today. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, well, they have no empathy. Right. They, they can't empathize with the families they're leaving behind, the yeah. devastation they're causing, because um, that, that's not, you know, that, that doesn't function as well in us anymore. And then they're angry, and of course they're being told you're just a product of accident, time, and space. Yeah. And so the value of human life is nil. Um, so we, we've created the monster we're living with. And, yeah. Right. And, yeah. You know, that's, you know, the lack of tolerance if you will is is astounding you know and you know i I almost got to the point where i hated the word tolerance because you know it seemed like for a long time anybody anytime that word was used it was about i had to be tolerant of everybody else as a christian you had to be tolerant of every other belief but nobody had to be tolerant towards you yeah but now it has gone beyond that it's beyond that the because I, I did feel like for a long time it was Christians and everybody else. Almost like in the old Bible old days, there was Jews and, and everybody else was, was not. Yeah. Um, it, you know, but now it's like pick, a, pick an argument from today. And there's no middle ground. There's no willing to, to find a, 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 a solution that works for the majority. Mm-hmm. You're never going to find a solution that works for everybody. You can't even have a conversation to find a solution. Right. No. Right. No. It's ridiculous. You're not, you're not allowed a conversation because yeah. if you don't agree with me, you're dumb. Yeah. yeah. You're automatically wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. and vilified. And that's that's the danger. Um, and I I have heard people respond to that that frustration. I think from the Christian today by saying you know we've just the table has just turned. Because there were there was a time, and and they're right, um, there was a time when the Christian position was was very intolerant. Just like they have become towards Christians, that's the way Christians were toward the LBGTQ society or culture. Right. So nobody was willing to come to the table and at least and even love these people. Yeah. And so now it's got, well, shoes on the other foot now. Yeah. How do you like it? 
And so I don't think there's any genuine remorse about it. Like, finally, we get to be the ones, you know, sort of uh, putting you out. And a lot of this is, um, I won't say uh, revenge, but I think a lot of it is. Even if it's not consciously culturally uh, being you done know, they, they've got a stronger position than yeah. the church does now and so now we're going to pay yeah. the church it's payback you know um and, and i and i don't i don't blame them either i mean no, you can we were the position, yeah I think. christians as a whole you know was it, i just think if things would have been addressed differently from the get-go things would be yeah. totally different right now but right now it's 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 just become <clears throat> the stranger you can be the cooler you are Mm-hmm. And people, I think, are are absolutely trying to outdo each other on strangeness. Yeah. You know, you say, well, I'm homosexual. Oh, really? Is that all? Because I'm not only that, but I'm this, this, and this. Yeah. And really, is that all you got? Because I can be a man one day and a woman the next. How yeah. about that? Yeah. I'm, I'm poly gender or whatever and and it's like i haven't even I, tried to i'm just gonna them all, the, the stranger i can make myself the the more applauded yeah. and cooler i will be and the reason i i i feel like it's that is because you see this among a certain demographic mm-hmm. right now uh where it's very in vogue to be something suddenly different or whatever uh and like i said the stranger the better um but it's 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 all the same spiritual sickness yeah. know, that we all suffer from, a fallen nature. Uh, but, you know, that those are some of the questions that we're going to have to address as a church in a new way. And I was thinking this morning, and maybe it could be a topic for a whole episode because there are a number of facets to the argument or, or the discussion. Um, what is the church going to do? Yeah. You know, and I, I mean very practical hands-on you know question here when uh forged by grace we're sitting at church and some and a transvestite comes through the door to attend our service yeah what are we gonna do you know i i see this thing i used to give plasma until uh well i, I couldn't anymore because my blood pressure was always too high and anyway um but it seemed like every time i go down there I would sit in the chair giving plasma, and inevitably I was, you know, right next to me was the same guy wearing, you know, white high heels and a blue dress. Um, every, every time I went down there, it seemed like I saw him all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and I would say hi and good morning, good afternoon, whatever it was, whatever. Um, but what do we do or what will we do when he shows up at church? And, and this isn't like, I'm not sure if that's just a not attractive lady or if that's a guy i mean it's clearly yeah a man okay what are we gonna do i and you know the, the response to that is uh, important for the church because the day's coming you know whether the people will come because they genuinely want to worship and whatever and and i don't i, I don't think that um, anybody's so far out of god's reach that he can't call people right. to himself. So anyway, whether it's that or maybe you have somebody's son or daughter or whatever who's going to come with a family member, and they come dressed um, the way they identify, what is our response going to be? Yeah. Do we say, you know, we're sorry you can't be here? 
I wouldn't that think so. That doesn't yeah. feel right. No. But, say, I, I certainly hope not. But, but <laughs> saying, hey, sit down, you know, this is welcome and this is great. To be, to be honest, that doesn't feel right either. Uh, yeah. that, that feels a little awkward. Um, somebody asked me one time, what, what are we going to do if, if, you know, a same-sex couple shows up and, you know, in the middle of service, uh, they, you know, put their arm around each other. I, to, to, to make no response to that at all um, seems to somehow condone it. So that doesn't seem right. To call them out, you know, publicly in shame, that doesn't seem right. I mean, so we, we have to work through these questions because yeah. it seems to me they're they're coming um, to a church near you. Uh, and some churches obviously have just said, well, you know, everybody knows this. That's not even an issue. So well, you know, I, don't don't worry about it. Just just like anybody else. One thing I was – and it kind of goes along with that. Uh, it should be a, a – a topic for a specific episode um and putting out the um the survey i did and going into some christian forums and stuff i was going through i've noticed there are a lot of christians or people who at least claim to be christians who believe that the bible is interpreted completely wrong and that there is absolutely nothing wrong with homosexual relations and that kind of thing right and to the point, like it, it was concerning to me that there was mm. so many people, and I had to just back out because I didn't even know how to go into conversation without. I didn't. I didn't want it to be some type of online, right, you know. Right. Uh, well, you know, the Bible, keyboard warrior right. argument, you know. But yeah. I was just like, how do you even get what you're talking about out of scripture? I mean, well, it's like I've told Hayden before because I have to because. Bless his heart. Uh, bless my son, by the way, Hayden. He's never met an argument he didn't like, and so he he gets on I can online with Facebook, you know, associates or associations or whatever, and he just can't let them post something without responding, and then they respond. And he just can't. He yeah. just can't let it go. Um, but so I've told him before, you know, the Bible says, "Don't argue with a fool," and the point I think to that verse is. If, if somebody's genuinely seeking and wants to dialogue about truth, about the word, about all these issues, doesn't matter what the issue is, um, but they genuinely want to dialogue and they want to know truth, or at least your your point of view of truth, mm-hmm. then I got all day long. Yeah. Know? But but if they want to argue to get the upper hand or make me look foolish mm-hmm. or or you know it's just dog ear determinism to win an argument. Yeah. Bible says don't. Don't cast your pearl before the swine, yeah. you know, or, because you're just wasting your time. If they come in so polarized already yeah. that they're not interested in genuine uh, discussion and, and the idea that maybe they have something to learn, then, you know, you're just wasting your breath. I, t- I tell him that all the time, but um, he's just so good at arguing that he can't help himself. So. <laughs> well, you saying that kind of made me think of something, too, that I think adds to where our society is, and that's the fact that a lot of our communication with other with other people is through a, a computer on a keyboard. Right. Most conversations, arguments and stuff that you're having with somebody who lives in some other state through through the internet, you probably wouldn't necessarily fire up in person. Right. So we're able to, you know, um let feelings and emotions out that we might normally, at least in the old days, just you know what, that's not worth it. 
Yeah. But now you can't, you know, that person can't reach through the screen and punch you in the nose. So you just you right. fire away. Well, that's, that's like we've been talking about, come back to several times uh, thematically, is, is the isolationism we have. Yeah. And, and Facebook's done us no favors with that. And, you know, it's uh, when they can't keep you uh, inside because we finally figured out the whole COVID debacle, you know, the worldwide hysteria that broke out over that. Um but then if, if you can't do that, then my thinking is that they don't want people, and they, we're using the proverbial they, though, as we conspiracists do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, then we'll just sort of price you at home. I mean, you know, why is gas five bucks a gallon? Yeah. Well, they, what you traveling? Too far. Yeah. I, you know, and we were going to go to Wyoming uh, again. But a couple of weeks back, but that turned into a staycation because yeah. you know it, it, it couldn't have just flat out could not afford the gas going yeah. there and back. So I don't know. There, this whole we want people isolated and staying put. And uh, for the longest time, in the midst of the COVID hysteria, I thought uh, that what they want eyes down, head down, you know, fear and shame. Don't talk to one another. Mm-hmm. Put a mask on, you know, and don't uh, go to church. Don't yeah, and. So that's, I don't know, it's, it, it's a strange time for, for churches, and we have to evaluate, you know, so many things. Uh, what are we offering? Yeah. You know, when, when you can't be the church effectively, uh, or as the way you always, always have. And uh, I said, what, what is the church in the first place? And again, that, that's a whole different episode probably. So what are we trying to accomplish <laughs> on our podcast? Um I think for me, the idea, and, and this was Brett's brainchild, by the way, um, but I think part of the idea, and, and Brett will correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there are things that Christians find compelling, interesting, confusing, or yes. otherwise they just want to talk about, but that aren't really suited exactly for a worship service. Yeah, um, There are political things that there's a definite world biblical view that affects political issues right now. Well, uh, I've I've decided several years ago I'm not going to spend pulpit time when I need to be expounding God's word mm-hmm. on political issues yeah. unless you know unless they're directly germane right. to that text and, and that's fine. The but, podcast itself, right. you know, isn't going to be dialed into po- politics, right. but you can't avoid right politics even when you look at the uh like i mentioned earlier uh people who took the survey a lot of them were curious about the whole ufo thing well politics even they even come into that yeah that whole conspiracy so yeah i mean um well it's like uh, a lady told churchill that um it was impolite to talk about politics and religion in public and churchill famously uh replied uh, madam there are there is nothing else worth talking about <laughs> so um yeah there is a particular position you know that works itself out in the political arena and we need to talk about that but again that's not what our church service is about right, right. You know, our church service is about god's word and about worship and extolling the excellencies of christ mm-hmm. so i've decided i'm not going to devote pulpit time um to politics near as much as I had in years past. Yeah. There, there were a number of years where, um, a lot of my sermons were political commentary. 
Yeah. And the funny thing uh, about that is sometimes um, I would get texts after a, a particular service or a particular message, and I would get several texts saying, loved it, favorite sermon so far, whatever, and I would look back at it, you know, and think, what did I talk about? Yeah. Uh, I, I, one, for example, was the whole Benghazi debacle mm-hmm. with Hillary and, you know, the do-nothing, you know. Anyway, um, and so I um, railed on Hillary's suggestion that we need to apologize to uh, our enemies for the, the Benghazi incident and all this stuff. And, um, I mean, just that, – that was pretty much the sermon, just railing on uh, the Clintons and, and all that. And people loved it. Favorite sermon so far. Yeah. And I look back and I think, well, what, what part of the Bible was the exposition <laughs> from? Yeah. Well, none, really. I mean, just, but it felt yeah. good, you know, to, and so at some point I, I realized, okay, I'm not being faithful to my calling, um, in that context. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do politics from, um, the pulpit unless, like I said, it's, it's germane to the text. Yeah. You know, uh, we talk about life. Well, then you're going to talk about abortion and those kind of things mm-hmm. because that's not a political or at least first of all it's not a political question right that is a moral religious biblical question yes and so i feel perfectly um legitimate in taking that on head on but so anyway that's that's the sort of i i guess my view of this we're going to talk about things that you don't you're not going to talk about on sunday right. morning yeah um and so uh, i love to talk about UFOs and phenomena just because I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's funny, maybe I'm the only one this this way, but if if you're not sure what you think about something, you like to talk about it anyway. Right. Because I'm not sure where where I land, no pun intended, on the <laughs> UFO kind of kind of right. arguments. I've, I've, I've heard some theologians say that's just, you know, there are none, and to talk about it and think that there are is, is semi, you know, uh, demonic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe that's what they are. I don't know. That's, know and that is know, one uh, that is so, one view of it too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love talking. I, about I, that I kind probably of stuff. come a little more into that that yeah. theory that you know anything Satan can use to persuade people that the Bible is yeah. inaccurate, yeah. not complete. Yeah, he will use yeah. that. So if he can make some UFOs and make people, you know. Well, the Bible says that God created Earth and created man in His image, and if there's other man-like creatures out there then what does it say about god right and well yeah and, we, and we'll talk about it on on um when we do that right? yeah that, yeah. It, that episode because it is a um, it is a rabbit hole so it is, we, but it's, if, it's if we start now we're we're in a, a good four-hour podcast yeah, we don't want it's that it's a fun rabbit hole though i, I like no i do too i, I like subterranean uh dwelling I, yeah. I you know we get into the whole uh you know 9-11 can um theories and and you know, yeah, conspiracy theories, we whatever. Should. Which, and we could do a whole episode on why do we call it conspiracy theory? Uh, because yeah. that terminology was created very specifically yes. and intentionally. Yes, it was. Um, and so that would be fun to talk about. And where, in, where, what's the etymology of that word? And in these um, days, it's oh, it's proven extremely useful. Extremely useful, yeah. and also you see a lot more of these so-called conspiracy theories kind of coming to. To reality, right? So, what about you, Jesse? What What would you like to see come out of this? You know, 
anytime I can get around and just voice my opinion and listen to somebody else's opinion, man, I, I love to learn things. Yeah. And if I can bounce an idea off somebody else and go, okay, tell me why I'm right or tell me why I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's a pleasure for me. And to listen to other people do it works for me too. But to actually sit in here and be able to do that with you guys and go, huh, this is what I think. Yeah. And this is what I, you know, when we're, when we're having a serious discussion about what the Bible says and doesn't says, you know, I'll love to debate that. And um, I may not be as gifted as Hayden, but I like a good argument too. So I'm sure we'll have a few of those. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, But at the end of the day, I know I, you know, whether we agree or disagree, we can find, look, I've had conversations over either one of the one of the ones I know we had a very long conversation me and another guy went back and forth on one of my daughter's posts about abortion mm-hmm. we went back and forth almost all day long discussing our points of view and at the end of the day we both decided we like each other we disagree with each other uh, but and neither one of us were going to change our mind. So we, you know, that's a big one right there. You know, we weren't, I wasn't going to change his mind. He was right. going to change my mind. We could still walk away and be friends. We yes. were just going to disagree on this topic. Yeah. And then some other people started posting in there. And, you know, there were some personal attacks, especially toward me, um, that actually got my daughter and these other people that were friends with her, you know, they're no longer friends because. They personally attacked. They personally took an attack on me, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, look, I can respect your opinion too, but you're stepping into a conversation that you really had no part in, just to, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, well, and, and and then you know, to the point of, you know, well, somebody should just take out, take you out, and murder you. Okay, that's that's a bit extreme, you know. Yeah. I I don't want to kill you because you want to kill a baby. Why do you want to kill me because I want to save a baby? You know, I don't I don't understand how we got to that extreme really really fast. Right. You know, I, I'm not wishing you dead. I'm not wishing the guy that I debated all day long. I don't wish any ill will to him or right. ill faith. You know, I, I you know me and him, me me and his name was Danny. Me and Danny are going to walk away and be friends. We're just not probably going to discuss this again because we're very, very, we are on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I lean to the side that all life is sacred and yes. sanctified. You know that a child is created in the womb by God. Therefore, we don't have the authority to take it away. Yeah. And he was on the other th- side of that. It's a woman's choice. She can do whatever she wants to do with her with her kid. Okay, but what, you know, and one of our biggest things is at what point does that change? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's the important part of the dynamic in our culture right now is there's no ability, uh, apparently, for some people to respond to the dialogue actually responding to your argument. You know, it gets personal. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, instead of responding to your argument, Jesse, when you say this, this, and this, this is where I think you're wrong, and this is why, um, it's, Jesse, you're just a bigot. Or, Jesse, you know, it gets into yeah. name-calling and anger, and and what that's not a dialogue. You yeah. know? And I just, I don't have any tolerance for, for people that just, you know, go from, oh, you don't agree, well, you're just a, and they, yeah. now it's a personal attack on you as a person, um, 
because of your opinion, but there's no response to the actual opinion. Right. I mean, I think a, one of the key things going into those type of conversations is at least having it in your head. You know, I'm not going to change their opinion. Right. You know, and if if you if you do, you do by giving them some type of fact or whatever. Right. But you know, also if they're not if they don't have that same mentality that they're not going to change your opinion, it, it's usually going to go go south at some point. But like you said, him, yeah. you and, and, and that guy were had dialogue back and forth all day. At the end of the day, you realize we disagree. We'll we agree did. to disagree. Yeah. We're, we're friends. So be it, you know, and, we'll, you know, on to another day. And Danny's still a friend of mine. And right. He, you know, he still is. We still talk, you know, we, we just don't talk about abortion because you know, it's, right. you know, I, where I am. And I think the other thing, you know, that I think is important for the church to re to, to, let people know, or at least for me personally, mm-hmm. I do not like the act of abortion. However, I still love people that have had abortion, have canceled and mentored people that yeah. have had abortion and, and, and lived with the aftermath. I have, I've seen that firsthand that, you know, what it can do to a woman's psyche. Yeah. Some women can deal with it. Okay. Some people are, you know, I've seen it where it's, you know, they absolutely had a hard time with it after the fact. Yeah. So, you know, but it's, you know, important for us to say, you know what, we don't like the act, but we still love you as a person. Right. Uh, I think it's the same way with uh, talking about people of different sex or different uh, beliefs that they are different sex or, you know, trans, you know, trans people, gay people, you know, I I don't like the act, but I still love you. Yeah. I'm still going to treat you with respect and kindness like you were talking about. Uh, Pastor William, you know, as I'm pointing to you, nobody can see, you know, as you point that out, yeah, I still love and respect you as a person. I just don't like the act. I can say the same thing about just about any sin that you want to point to, you Mm -hmm. know, I still love you as a person, but I don't like the act, whether it's adultery or, um, the state of drunkenness or, um, using the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. You know, we all know things that we have come into our own lives that we don't do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a difference about being repentive and not being repentive. Right. You know, John denied Christ three times, but yet he was, re- I mean, Peter, I said John, Peter denied the Lord three times, but he was repentive. And then Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus and... Some people would say, well, he was repentant. No, he went and hung himself. Yeah. He went, he went and killed himself out of shame, but that wasn't repentance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, repentance is, is more than just feeling bad about something. That, that, that's the common, the common, I think, understanding in, in Christian thought anymore is that, you know, repentance of sin means don't you feel bad about it? Right. Well, then you're repentant. Yeah. Well, no, no. Repentance is more than just feeling bad about mm-hmm. it, because even pagan people feel bad about stuff that they do wrong. Yeah. Uh, but they, they're, you know, repentance in Christ is not, you know, is a little more involved in that. But um, you're right about that. So. Yeah. And if anybody wants to debate the Jesus, the, the Judas thing later about whether he's repentant or not, I'm, I'm all for it. But you know, I, I don't think he was repentant. He was ashamed. Right. And he did a, a, a cowardly act in the act in his shame, but I don't think that's repentance. No, you know, there, there is a, uh, a line of thought. I don't remember who, who uh, where I read this exactly, but, you know, there are a lot, uh, not a lot, there are some scholars, um, biblical scholars that are not 
by my definition way, Christian. Mm-hmm. It's just an academic pursuit for them. Okay. The, um, in, in any event, one of the things that uh, one of them was writing about was the idea that this whole dialogue and this whole uh, series of events between Jesus and Judas was all agreed upon by Jesus and Judas. They set the whole thing up because somebody had to betray him. Judas said he would. So the whole thing was sort of <laughs> to set the scene. And then when, uh, but Judas thought that by doing this, he was forcing Jesus into the limelight where he would yeah. have to reveal his power and authority. And so he had sort of forced Jesus to assume the throne, which is what he wanted. And honestly, that's what the rest of the disciples wanted too. Right. Um, and so when it all went south, he felt so bad about it that, that he went and hung himself. Um, but all that to say that, you know, G- Judas wasn't necessarily such a bad guy. Right. Well, interesting interesting thought, were it not for the fact that Jesus said, you know, go back to your father, which was not God. You know, he, so, you know, uh, your father, the devil, or whatever it is he says to Judas. So it's pretty clear that uh, Judas was not a good a good person. But That would be an interesting uh, conversation and debate. Um, on because yeah. I'm sure I know I know that people have uh, different opinions on how that kind of played out. Yeah. Um, so we're at an hour and a half. So Are we? this is episode one. Um, it's been fun. I know we jumped around a lot, and we probably will do that because that's the way. At least me and William, we've we've attempted podcasts before, and there's a lot of jumping around and <laughs> a lot of jumping. Around. So so uh, you might just have to get used to that. It's always fun conversation though. Um, so you, the listener, you can uh, reach out to us if you have questions you would like answered or discussed. You can call or text uh, the phone number 417-319-4380. You can also uh, find us on Facebook. Um, our email address is forgedbygrace.podcast at gmail.com. And you can also go to our church website, uh, forgedbygrace.org. Um and listen to sermons. You can read about us as a church, um, and our podcast will also be on there. Also, go to whatever um, platform you're listening to us on, and if you wouldn't mind like liking and sharing and uh, uh, reviewing, um, that would be awesome to help us out. And uh, yeah, just do that for us if you could. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, what we're going to do for now is we're going to be there's going to be an episode once a month. That way we can just make sure that we actually have time to record an episode and and uh, stuff. Maybe if we're doing good, we can do twice a month. Uh, I figured once a week was probably a lot to really squeeze into our busy schedules. So once a month, the first Monday of every month at this point in time, we will release a new episode. So this one will be it's supposed to launch August 1st, which is just in a couple weeks. So um Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and uh, get contact us with anything you want to talk about or a question you want to ask and we will air it, uh, put it on the episode and we will discuss it and go from there. Love you guys. God bless and uh, have a good one.